out. This is uh, the spiel, the movie spiel. What's Did the I... name? Spiel, the movie spiel. So yeah, we're going to be talking about a very specific franchise in this episode. Presented by Universal Exports. That's the cover business that MI6 <laughs> uses throughout the Bond canon. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> Universal Exports has a has a spot in Philadelphia where they export... Uh, um, yeah, Colin Salmon. Right, yeah. Uh, who is in the Bond movies. They export uh, uh, shad fish sticks. Yes, yeah. fish sticks. Uh, uh, hence, Fishtown right, in Philadelphia. Right, that's the origin of Fishtown. Great stuff, man. Yeah. Too bad it's not... Too bad that uh, that, that other restaurant uh, isn't yeah. there anymore. Jimmy's or whatever? No, 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 no. It wasn't Jimmy's, but, uh, the, but there's a paint store there. Yeah, there's a Sherwin-Williams there now. <laughs> man, we're going to come back to you, Philly. We'll do it. Anyway... It's uh, Alex. Hey, I'm Ryan. Hey, this is the movie spiel. I, I really love the fact that we're doing this. This is my favorite. This is, yeah. Okay, so so I love Star Wars, right? Yeah. But I love. I think I love James Bond as much. I, and I don't know why. That Star Wars, as far as quality over quantity goes, Star Wars is, uh, there's a lot of quantity there. But Re- recently, there's a lot of quantity there. Recently, but over the course of, James Bond has 25 movies. and In fact, if you think about it, Star Wars and James Bond, kind of the opposite, because Star Wars, it was, yeah, you had your movies, and then we were done with the movies, but then it was the, yeah. the rest of everything else mm-hmm. that, that built up that universe. With James Bond, there was the only the books and the movies right. for the longest period, right. and then... Later on, they started capitalizing on the extras. Yeah. Wait. I mean, there were some video games in, like, for the Atari yeah. and Nintendo. How, and how, all how of many that. hours do you think you spent uh, as, a, as a child, like, like sleepovers, Goldeneye on N64. Oh, my gosh. That's like a millennial, like, that's Dude. like the ultimate BuzzFeed article. If you did these eight things, and, like, four of those things are playing Goldeneye until but five in the morning. It's because Goldeneye, it's still to this day, has infinite replayability. Yeah. Infinite. I don't even care if you're odd, dude. We can play. Next time we yeah. hang out, sometime we'll play it. Yeah, you could be odd job. I don't care. Oh, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> All right. So this episode, uh, I'm really, really excited. Yeah, to this do. is like Ryan's. Uh, uh, is this your favorite franchise of all franchises? Uh it's up there. I'd say it's tied with Star Wars as far as my favorite. I love franchises. Yeah. A, I love like, Marvel movies are fantastic, and but the Bond movies have been with me. As long as Star Wars has, I would say, maybe not quite as long, but very close to it. And uh, just a little background, I never really watched a Bond movie. Um, my dad liked them, and my family, my, like my grandmother really liked them, because, you know, she was a young lady when Sean Connery was the thing. And uh, But no, she, she liked them, and, and I remember um, back in the in 97, I'd asked for a Nintendo 64 for Christmas. I, was, I just turned 11, and I think it was either TBS or TNT or some, some channel had the, uh, uh, the 12 days of 007. So each night it was a different Bond movie up until Christmas, which was cool. So I watched uh, part of Moonraker. I had no idea what I was watching. So no, so uh, about a week before Christmas of '97, I'd watched part of Moonraker. Didn't really know what I was watching, but I thought it looked pretty cool because had these people in space shooting lasers and a British guy in a yellow jumpsuit. It was a bit wacky. I, and then literally like a week later, I got I got a Nintendo 64. I got Star Wars: Shadows of the Empire. I got GoldenEye 007, and then something else, and I forget what that was. I think it's because I got the game that I wanted, and uh, I and my my dad can um if you know if he listens to this. He can let me know. Uh, I didn't ask for James Bond. I didn't ask for the James Bond game. I think they just wanted some variety, and my dad 
or my mom or whoever saw that and they're like oh this must be popular and this is james bond and james bond's cool and whatever so we'll get that for him too and uh it was awesome and i and coincidentally my neighbor gotten it too actually both my neighbors did by the time you hear this episode the newest and latest and potentially greatest bond will have uh, hit theaters, if that's something that you're into right now, going to uh, gross, disgusting movie theaters. They're not gross and disgusting. Well, okay, yeah. listen, listen, I'm not going to argue with that, but I will risk COVID to go see this Bond movie. Okay. It's that important to me. Okay. You'll it, risk a breakthrough infection. I'll risk a breakthrough infection. you're vaccinated. I am, yeah. and I'll be wearing a mask, and okay. I'll do my best to not sit and hear anybody. Do, do, do they, do, is everybody required to mask up in a theater? And here's no. the better question. Okay, so the theaters aren't required. See, that would be no. my thing is like you should have to mask sure. up in the theater. I do, but I don't, and I sanitize yeah. and all that. Like I've seen Shang-Chi and I saw Venom, Yeah, and you know, it was fine. Anyway, this episode, uh, I, I wanted you to, you know... This uh, is this is Bond. This is Bond. This, this is, is the James Bond episode. Right. We're going to do a little bit of a retrospective. Yeah, and, and I'm curious about a few things. I'm going to be asking you some questions uh, because you are... Uh, you're definitely the expert on this well, one. And then the thing after that, after that, like, after I started playing Goldeneye, mm -hmm. you know, and my friends did and all that, I got really into it. And my dad, like, literally every week, we just rent another Bond movie. Not in ah. any order. There's no canonical yeah. order that I've watched them in. And I don't really think, it's not like Star Wars, it's not like any other kind of saga where you need to watch them in order. You can jumble them all up. It really doesn't matter. The only issue, though, is with the Craig ones, they sort of gone back and, air quotes, marvelized them, so it all kind of matters, which kind of annoys me. I don't like Bond being serialized like that. There's a couple of continuity bits that go back and forth. I don't think that Bond really needs that. So if, you're ever, if you've never seen a James Bond movie, honestly, I'll give you some recommendations where to start. In my personal opinion, but honestly, if you start anywhere, you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, so, so on that note, one thing that I wanted to ask you, kind of before we get in, because we've got a whole bunch of fun little little things we're going to get into oh, yes. bond wise. Uh, what is to you the quintessential Bondism that has to be in a James Bond movie for it to be a James Bond? movie oh that's a great question yeah okay so here's here's i used to do this for a living so i love this so uh the quintessential bond thing everybody has their own thing saying you know the name's bond james bond can i help you yes my name is bond james bond but uh, some directors and some people want to be like well let's shake things up and so when quantum of solace comes out they don't do it and i don't know why they just kind of, I guess, just to mess with the audience and just or mess with the fans and be like, you know, see, we're doing things a little differently. And that's Mark Forster's issue, I guess. They could have done it. It would have felt ham-fisted, but a lot of things in James Bond are ham-fisted. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mark Forster, that's a, it's not a good era in his career. What, what, Quantum honestly, of Quantum of Solace was not his fault. The direction, for the most part, with that movie is actually great, I think. The action set pieces are fantastic. Yeah, it's the shortest Bond movie by a, by a mile, and it's, it, I don't even think it's two hours. And uh, it suffered from the writer's strike. So it, Mark Forster, who is a writer, uh, he and Daniel Craig were working on script adjustments as they were filming. And that it really made the movie suffered. But the movie as a companion to Casino Royale works great. So if you consider them all one big movie, which you can totally do, then you have the Bond James Bond. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the, the shaken, not stirred thing, which, again, they didn't really do in uh, in Casino Royale, you know, because they want to make Daniel Craig a little different. So it's like shaking a stir. And he's like, does it look like I give a damn? You know, OK, I get it. But really those things, tuxedos, cars. 
you know, some would say the ladies, but nah. We're going to talk about some of those cards. Oh, my gosh. I'm not a car guy, but I like foreign cars. Yeah, is that like, has that become, I don't know what it was in the the 60s and 70s, but has it become now where it's really just about sort of like, playing into the fantasy of it all like like from it's all 99.9 percent of us will never get to actually like even sniff a car like that oh sure it's all a fantasy yeah the british government subsidizing an aston martin seriously (laughs) (laughs) the cars that he has and all the gadgets and gizmos those cars have to be up upwards of their millions of dollars And, and and i'm talking in the movies yeah money not even in real life so as someone who is i've seen I've seen a handful of Bond movies, and you know I, I I was impressed with Casino Royale, and and it's hard not to be. Yeah, and I I've enjoyed some of. Listen, it's hard not to enjoy Bond, and especially as a kid. Like, mm-hmm. listen, it's not like I was watching The World Is Not Enough like through a very critical lens. I know. wasn't either. Now I'm sure if I went back and watched it, I'd be like, well, this is dumb. Well, I take it back. When I saw that was the The World's Not Enough, the first one I saw in the theaters. Okay, I saw it for my 13th birthday, and uh, I hadn't seen a Bond movie in theaters, but by that point, I'd seen every one of them. Yeah, and uh, and I'd watch them all again later on too. So, but but that one I did watch. That was probably one of the first movies I ever watched critically. Is that is that Halle Berry or Denise Richards? That's Denise Richards. Okay, but okay. she's you know. So wait, so Die Another Day. What was okay? Wait, wait, wait. wait let's go back for a second. Because okay. I feel like. We've got to frame this conversation properly because we're, we're moving into a, something that I wanted to talk to you about okay. um, because you and I, again, very similar ages. We grew up as we, we, Pierce Brosnan yes. is Bond yes. for our childhood. Yes. Um, and I'm curious if you can contextualize first what Brosnan meant to the series as a whole, but then second, what it meant to you as him being the Bond you grew up with, as opposed to growing up, you know, you, you got after the fact. You right. got Connery well, and the I others. didn't have, I don't have that experience thinking about Connery or more Dalton, so I don't really know. But I had seen Pierce Brosnan in a couple of things, notably when Mrs. Doubtfire came out, and he's a great part of that movie. But when he was Bond, that just sort of made sense because everything I ever thought of what james bond should look like sound like act like that's pierce brosnan i mean even to this day 19 look, yeah 1994 95 yeah. 95 yeah, 94 95 i mean brosnan there's no other pick at all there, I, I can't think of any other actor an english actor that would fit the archetypal arch, archetypical or whatever the general description of what ian fleming's james bond is in the mid 90s it's Pierce Brosnan. Can you think of anybody else who oh, was famous I, in the no, mid '90s who was no. famous enough, just enough? Well, also famous, and we're thinking and famous English. British, yeah, British, British under the crown. Because you the crown. also realize what's interesting too. Before we before we jump back into this this question, though, what is interesting is now how how the tables have turned. The '90s were really really good for American A-listers. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying it's a bad time to be an American A-lister, but it's yeah. a really good time to be a Brit who can also do an American accent. So you have so many more options for Bond now. Yeah. There's so many A-listers. There's so many. Yeah. So many. And it's like, I'm thinking now, like, who could have played Bond in 1994-95? Maybe Ray Fiennes, who ended up, he's in the Bond franchise now. Yeah. He's M, which is great. But um, maybe him. Certainly, I mean, he doesn't, he probably doesn't, he's not your quintessential. He definitely, I mean, no. I'm not saying he's a bad looking guy or anything like that. It's just, he he's not doesn't devilishly have, handsome. Right. Like Pierce Brosnan. doesn't have that Brosnan look. God, yeah. Pierce Brosnan in every facet is, he's an attractive dude. Too, too good looking to play Voldemort. He, too yes. Good, he's too yes. good looking to play Voldemort. Yeah. Yeah. But see, Ray Fiennes, that's his, that's his James Bond. Basically. That's what he is known for by most generations now. Anyway. Sure. Yeah. And, and you know, it's just he's he's fantastic, but yeah, he's not as uh, he's he's roguishly handsome, not 
not like almost almost a supermodel handsome. Yeah. Is Pierce, and Pierce Brosnan, by the way, was almost James Bond in '87. They cast him for The Living Daylights, and then because um, Remington Steele got canceled, he was in that show, and then Remington Steele got picked back up, and they contractually, you know, they pulled him in. They were like, now we we need him. You can't do Bond, and so they got Timothy Dalton. Not a bad choice at the time. Uh, a bit lesser known, which is cool i think and his he only did two movies unfortunately because mgm has had a lot of legal issues so it caused a six-year gap between licenses to kill and goldeneye which you know at in that period of time dalton's like no and brazen obviously took it up so how are you going to go moving forward because it's, it's interesting now that moving on from no time to die and I, I have so many questions about brazen's bond but moving on from from no time to die we're about to hit now what will be the second major search for a bond in not in your lifetime but in your sort of awareness of bond because yeah. obviously as a kid yeah, I don't think the second one. I don't think you were super hyper aware no. of, of uh either Dalton when you were really little no. or uh uh Brosnan when you were like right. you know 6 or 7 years old uh but so this is going to be the second major major one and and are you still looking at Brosnan as the archetype or are you willing to now take a little bit more of what Daniel Craig brought to the role. Yeah, because Daniel Craig was not, like, I didn't even, I had to remind myself who Daniel Craig was when he was selected. So I went back, and I'm like, oh, I've totally seen that dude. He was in um, Road to Perdition. Yeah. He plays Paul Newman's son, mm -hmm. and he's fantastic in that. And uh, I, and he was, in a, he was in a kid in King Arthur's Court. With Thomas Nick, yeah, Thomas C. You, and Nicholas, yeah, yeah, it's just ridiculous. And uh, and How he did was that happen? My God! And he was in Layer Cake and Munich. Was also Defiant. He was good. in Defiant Munich. came right out right after. Right after. Right okay. Out. But um, Munich was fantastic. He was great in Munich. But um, Layer Cake was like the role that sealed it. And Is Daniel the, Craig actually Jewish? I have no clue. Because he seems to like being a Jew, kicking Nazi ass, in or or anti-Jewish, I don't know. but I don't know. He did those movies literally almost back-to-back, -back, Munich and Defiance. No clue. I don't know if he's Jewish or not, but I'll, I'll say this. Uh, when he became James Bond, everybody was all mad because he was a blonde guy, and I'm like, <laughs> why is everybody mad? Because Roger Moore's like a dirty blonde. I don't get it. I still don't get it to this day. Oh, man, remember the controversy? It wasn't a controversy. He's a weird-looking guy, that's for sure. His his face, his mug is kind of strange. When you, it's It's not... He's not a baby face mm -hmm. at all. He's not a pretty boy. Right. But he's cut. He's more Ray Fiennes, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he's, but he's like a brute. And he's got, he's got this mug that can blend in with anybody, but also be very distinct. And that's what's cool about Daniel Craig. So, so for a, you're asking about a future bond? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious now. Are you going to be looking for them to go back towards something Brosnan-like? Are you going to look for another Daniel Craig? Do you want them to try something entirely new similar to what they did with Daniel Craig and say, let's not try and you know recreate I, the past? I don't think that it's going to be like it was, because it's been a long... Like, when Daniel Craig was selected in 05, like, it was a long time. It's been a long time. He's the longest tenure Bond, considering he's only done five. Moore did seven, but he did he did the five most of that is not because of anything he did it was the legal issues with mgm and the financial issues but um he it's been it's such a different world now than it was then so i have no clue what they're gonna do honestly i don't care what they do as long as it's a good movie and the character is fleshed out properly and you know it, a good movie is a good movie regardless of who's starring in it so some people are gonna be up in arms about what <laughs> what james bond's gonna look like and honestly, um, I think the producers have come out and said it doesn't matter his his race; it has to be a man. That's it. That's all that they said. Uh, 
I would go farther and just say it has to be under the crown. I don't want an American. Oh yeah, you can't James have Bond. like Robert Downey Jr. playing no. Sherlock Holmes. Can't do that. Oh no no no, he's fine as Sherlock Holmes. No no, but I'm saying like he was okay as Sherlock Holmes. But it, he's fine. But but I get what you're saying. As in like you're you're not looking. I don't want Chris Evans yeah. playing James Bond. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even doing an accent. I don't care Although how good they be, are. Although it would be just a little bit. Would it be just like a little bit of comeuppance for all those British actors who are like, and f*** you, Andrew Garfield. Every Spider-Man for the last, you know, decade and a half. The Spider-Man. You're like, you're like, oh, man, these guys are really good. And you're like, oh, motherfuckers are British? <laughs> what, what, what do you mean they're British? They're all, dude, all these great actors are British, and they do American accents better than any of us. Right. Oh, oh, wait, Batman is British, too? Like, every great super christian bale is british it's great but i don't i think they're so so no no retribution on the american side you don't want any i don't even want a canadian i know that's still technically under the crown i think they ought to be from you know great britain ireland australia new zealand i like that you're saying under the crown that's so official it is i love it well no because he's fighting for her majesty's on her majesty's secret service that's the name of a book and a movie Mm -hmm. starring james bond it just seems disingenuous if you get an American to play it. That's all. What do you think about Michael Fassbender? Too old? Too old. I know he's German, but he also uh, he went to college in London, and I think he has he's British. dual he's, citizenship. Yeah, he's British. Yeah, he's he, British enough. So he's too old. Why Why do you think he's too old? I, I guess when Daniel Craig took the role, he, he was, was 37. Like, okay. 37 when he took the role. Yeah, Michael he is Fassbender's in his 50s. You 44 need right now. Okay. Yeah, and that's the same thing with Tom Hardy. Yeah. He's like 43, 44. There's, there's no thought, though, that uh, you know we keep saying how 30 is the new 20, so doesn't that make 40 the new 30? The amount of wear and tear that went into Daniel Craig's body, that, that happened to Daniel Craig as he filmed those movies, those pe- those guys, as old as they are at this point, I can't imagine them doing it. All right, so if, if maybe. I'd I don't like know. I, I, I think if Tom Brady can play in the NFL until he's 45 and do it well, and now apparently wants to play until he's 50, I think Michael Fassbender can be Bond at 44. All I'm saying is I'm pretty sure uh, Daniel Craig has had more operations because of him playing James Bond than Tom Brady has playing. No, that's probably that's probably true. Anyway, if I had control of the world, I would put I would make Henry Cavill the you know the next James Bond. He's fantastic in uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. He's great in that. The Man from Uncle, I think, was a really good kind of like that guy could be Bond. Yeah, I, I I I actually quite liked The but, Man from Uncle, and I thought that it. I thought it, I thought it got kind of like um, it got lambasted by the critics for yeah, the most part. Well, not it was, oh, just, it was more forgotten. Like yeah. like it, it, I think again, it has almost like an Ant Man thing going on here, where there's like a lot of elements of it that like I like, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, for a lot of people, it just didn't stand out enough for them to like really love it. But I'm really hoping it's just it's somebody that we don't expect, like Daniel Craig. I didn't expect him. I know Clive Owen and Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman was in the running, and Henry Cavill, I believe, actually came in second, but he was only 23 at the time, so he was too young. So okay. We got some. We got some. We got some segments you want to do. Yeah. Some lists. Yeah. I love ranking things. Yeah. That's my. That's my forte. Okay. So we'll do that here in a second. Let's take a look at some of the like I guess quintessential Bond things. Uh, Ryan, I know you 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 threw together some rankings, and mm-hmm. you've seen all twenty four Bond movies. Is that right? I've seen all twenty four canon. Bond movies made by the production company Eon, which stands for Everything or Nothing, created by Harry Saltzman and Albert R. Cubby Broccoli, adapting all the bo- uh, most of the works of Ian Fleming. And then I have also seen most of Casino Royale from 1966 that had stars David Niven and Peter Sellers and Woody Allen and a few other crazies. 
And uh, that movie is just not good. It's okay. just silly. I think Orson Welles is in it. And then um, Never Say Never Again, which was a 1983 remake of Thunderball starring Sean Connery. And he did it basically as a giant, uh, you know, middle finger to the people like Harry Saltzman and, and Albert Broccoli. They, they, he did not get along with them at the time. Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we talked a little bit before about the fantasy aspect. And mm-hmm. so I, the first thing I want to ask you about is car chases. Oh, yes. Uh, that's like a staple of Bond. It is. And in ju- a way. And just as a bonus mm-hmm. uh, at the end, Ooh. if you can throw in as well, uh, one non-car chase that, that, that really excites you from, from Bond. I'm touching my nose and pointing at you. Okay. All right. So I don't have these in any particular order. But I have my three favorite car chases from any James Bond movie, and uh, one of them is Quantum of Solace. Solace came out in 08 as the second Daniel Craig movie takes place immediately following the end of Casino Royale. And uh, he's transporting a guy named Mr. White, who represents a group called Quantum, which we would later find out falls under another group called Spectre. But uh, Mr. White is uh, he's trapped in the trunk of this Aston Martin DBS V12, and these dudes are chasing James Bond. I, I, I forget exactly where it was. Is it Italy? And they're in, like, it's like this gorgeous... Uh, uh, like on this lake, I guess, or this river, and then like this, those winding road, and there's guns, and there's trucks, and you know all kinds of stuff. Bond's car loses a door, and other cars get flown off a cliff, and it's just it, it is a it is a hair raising, crazy uh, introduction to a movie. It's probably one of the most exciting pre credit sequence. Um, cold opens of a Bond movie. Sounds like something that would do the Fast and the Furious proud. It would. Actually, yeah, I, I think it would at the time, especially. Um, the next one uh, is the um, Spy Who Loved Me, which is uh, it was that Lotus Esprit S1. It's a white sports car, and you know he's he's being chased, and there's bullets everywhere, blah, 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 and then he ends up diving this this freaking sports car into uh, the ocean, and then he's underwater, and there's a uh, a helicopter do, like directly above him. The the thing turns into a submarine. Can you swim? said goodbye to an uninvited guest. The 
freaking car turns into a submarine and he has a radar and he literally sees the helicopter and then launches a torpedo directly out of the car and destroys the helicopter above the water. Oh my god. Like every every and I'll get into this again. It's like every time you have a um a car chase in a Bond movie, he has a gadget that's designed for one very, very specific thing that could possibly happen. And it always seems to happen. Or there's no car chase, you know. But um, Tomorrow Never Dies is one of my all-time favorites, too. Is uh, uh, It's the BMW 7 Series. I think it's the only real, like, it's a sedan. It's like almost a mom and dad kind of car. And um, he's being chased around this parking garage. He's using all these cool gadgets. He gets the car from Q uh, early in the movie. The car has a voice that speaks to him in a, in a nice, uh, a sexy lady's Eastern European accent. And because Q thought he would respond better to, uh, to female companionship. <laughs> and he has this Ericsson phone. And this is 1997, mind you. Flips it open, has a little... Um, screen and he can actually control the car with a little pad oh my it really ages well actually okay. Okay. i think and he drives it really well but he's in this thing and he has to end up jumping in the back seat while these guys are chasing him through this parking garage there's no other people in the parking garage plenty of cars no other people but um they have this giant like guy wire thing and then he has these another specific thing he has these little razor like things and it cuts the wire like he Who's going to predict you're going to come into this situation where it fits right exactly where the little razor cutter things are, the wire cutter things, um, and then it has like the t- like uh, you know the tacks that it can f- that fly out the back, um, uh, missiles that come out of the front, and then uh, he's sitting in the back seat. Bond's using- cars really do love firing those missiles. They right? sure as hell do, and he's he's controlling it, laying down in the back seat, and then one of the best moments in it is when he actually runs back over the tacks that end up popping his tires, and then the tires reinflate, and it, there's a <laughs> really great cut <laughs> and there's a great cut of um of J- pierce Brosnan like doing it and then he just smiles he's like <laughs> and it's like even he's astounded by how ridiculous all right this is. yeah yeah but no those are my three those are my three favorite car chases in bond and so for a bonus what's your what's what, what are we uh uh the non-car chase um, any any vehicle or means of transportation that doesn't involve a, a car easy golden eye in russia when um when uh, General Rumov has taken Natalia Semyonova hostage and uh, Bond is escaping that um, the interrogation building where he was being he- they were being held, and uh, he, he swings out this thing, and then he's in this basically this lot, and he sees a tank, and then he crashes through a wall in this tank, and there's so many great shots in it, and he's chasing Arumov, and all these Russian soldiers are, like, trying to catch him, and every time a car bumps anything, it explodes, and... See, it's I'm, I'm going to have to catch this again now because I, I haven't seen. It's also it? a great. It's also a great yet frustratingly difficult level in Goldeneye. <laughs> I haven't seen these movies since uh, since I was a kid. It, it, it's just occurring to me now that not having seen these movies since I was a kid, like my only frame of reference is how great the the chase at the beginning of Casino Royale is when he's in like Western Africa. Oh, that whatever. whole oh you're, yeah, yeah the yeah. parkour chase. Yeah, that was like what made parkour popular. Right, and that one guy he was who uh, played the bomb maker. He um. 
That guy's an actual parkour guy. Like he's a professional parkour runner. That's a good one. If we're going into vehicles, uh, you, you obviously we wouldn't use that. But that's that's a hell of a chase sequence. Yeah. Oh my god, that's yeah. one of the best. If you just said general chase sequences, that's right. it. Yeah. So okay, so uh, the the funny thing about this is that you it instantly gets me into what I think we kind of have to talk about because of how ridiculous the car chases, how ridiculous mm -hmm. the stunts are, mm -hmm. and the fact that there was a real, uh, I guess a, a need or at least a call for some level of change after the the end of the Brosnan era. Yeah, cuz it ended on a on a down note. That was that was Christmas that was, No, that was Die Another Day. Wait, so Halle Berry was the was the last Yeah. Okay. Her ter her character is terrible and what that is, movie Okay. What is Halle Berry's name? Uh, Jinx? Jinx? Jinx. Like the cat from Meet the Parents. Yes. Okay. But not Mr. Jinx. <laughs> It's Jinx. Madam Jinx? I don't know. She's sucks. Hall Hallie Jinx? She's not good in that. Oscar winner Halle Berry. Not good in... I, I, she's... Well, I can nobody's good in that. Die Another Day is the worst Bond movie. Right. It has the worst song. It's the worst... There's a couple things in it that are okay, but it ends up turning in this giant, ridiculous CGI fest, and 2002 was not a good year for CGI. Right. So, so we were... What it brings me to next is fight sequences, and I think yes. we can't have this conversation unless we talk about... As I was kind of alluding to, what happened at the end of the Brosnan era, mm -hmm. which was people realizing sort of this very, very divergent path that modern, uh, I guess, spy thrillers, if yeah. you want to use that genre, modern espionage thrillers were uh -huh. going, and that's really caused by Jason Bourne. So right. before I ask you about your favorite fight sequences, mm -hmm. I need to ask you, did Jason Bourne save the Bond franchise, or did Jason Bourne ruin the Bond franchise. It's not necessarily Jason Bourne saving James, the James Bond franchise, but the Bourne identity came out the same year as Die Another Day. Die Another Day did well, and the Bourne identity did well. But the Bourne identity's sequel, you know, the Bourne Ultimatum, came out in 04. Or no, I'm sorry, that was the, the Bourne Supremacy, Supremacy came out in 04. And uh, that movie's fight scenes are very, very just... They're high energy, they're close, a lot of cuts, a lot of quick edits, but they're violent, and they're very vicious. A, also, a pretty notable change from Born yeah. Identity with, that was Doug Liman. That was Doug Liman to yeah. Paul Greengrass. Right. Um, significant difference. Significant. Not that either movie, or, that I think the Born Identity still holds up. The uh, Those fight scenes, like, it, a lot of people, they, they responded to it. You know, the Born Supremacy made a ton of money, and so James Bond, also, they realized they got, they had gotten a bit... I don't know, a bit too bonkers, a bit too over, just a, just too much. What was the scene? Too fantastical. What, what was the, was it the jet skis? Was that the, the big criticized? It was the, the parasailing basically yeah. on a, on a surf, like a, a wave in, and with a bunch of icebergs and like a surf thing, like a snowboard. And this was in Die Another Day. Yeah, it was really stupid. It was like the dumbest thing. Okay. It was just dumb. Okay. Oh, stupid movie sucks. Anyway, uh, and now I have to go home and watch. This, go watch so. it, and it's you're just gonna be like, this is just like we could do a commentary ripping on it. Yeah. I'd happily do a sure. mystery science theater three thousand ripping that movie apart. So anyway, um, they reinvent Bond. Yeah, not necessarily reinvent, but they brought him back down to a more basic, visceral level. And and you and I talked about this in our uh, our reboot episode as well. Um, that you know that was also the era of Batman Begins as well, which yep. really played a pretty large part in the way franchises yes. started behaving. Yeah, so it was like Casino Royale essentially became a reboot, it, and it's it's a Bond origin story and all of that for the most part. And uh, basically, the entire Craig thing has been an origin story for Bond. Right. But that one in particular 
you know, half monk, half hitman, you know, and his fight scenes are just, they're just nuts. They're nuts. And they're, they're heavy. They're kind of hard to look at. They, they take it to the most extreme that PG-13 can be. And I have my favorite ones, if you want to hear them. I do. I do. So that was how we got here, though. So I'm curious, I, and where I am going to be curious here is what, where they fall. Are they, are they going to be pre Craig, pre Craig or post Craig? Well, I guess. or not, not, not. That's the wrong way of phrasing it. Are they going to be pre two thousand and three or post two thousand and three? I think is the well, way to, is the way to put it. There's a lot of good fight scenes, but it's not like Roger Moore was a physically domineering presence. I mean, Sean Connery kind of was. Roger Moore, not as much. His fight scenes always seemed a little too staged and choreographed. He could kind of throw a punch, I guess. His kicks were hilariously terrible. Timothy Dalton. He was a pretty vicious dude. Like, his Bond movies are super serious, but he only did two of them. Um, but my favorites, uh, Pierce Brosnan and Goldeneye, when he's f- the end fight with Alec Trevelyan, and he has, uh, they're on that, cr- the cradle is what, I only call it the cradle because it's the thing above that big satellite dish, but that's the name of the level in the Goldeneye right. video game. <laughs> the cradle. I remember the satellite dish very, that's very it. well, because that's what he, like, falls on. Yeah, right? and he has that awesome line right. when he's holding on to Trevelyan, and he's just like, For England, James? No. For me. My my favorite one, and this is what I mean. This I think this is what got everybody into Casino Royale. Hook, line, and sinker. Casino Royale starts out completely different from any other James Bond movie. All the other James Bond movies have that uh, gun barrel sequence, which honestly is this weird avant-garde thing. It's a very strange thing. I don't. It's hard to even explain it to anybody. Who's yeah, not a Bond yeah. Fan. I, I mean, I think it's even meant people... to be people looking for Bond. You see Bond through the barrel of a gun, right? But that's how good of a shot he is, and that's how that's how you know he'll shoot first, ask questions later. That's right. the whole thing with. But Bond. I, and I think I, I think that's so iconic that people even like that's what they expect now right. in a Bond movie. Even if you're like me, who like occasionally checks out and uh-huh. then checks in, like, oh and, yeah. And like those the, original the gun, gun barrel. barrel, those original gun barrel sequences were in black and white, and uh, the opening to Casino Royale is black and white. So um, it's him infiltrating this guy who uh, he's been targeted to kill to earn his double O status. He needs two kills to become a double O. And so one of the guys, is, he's, he's uh, selling secrets, selling MI6 secrets. He's a, he's a mole for somebody else. So he's, you know, he's saying, you know, how'd, you, how'd the other guy die? He's having that conversation with, with the guy, and he's like, oh, your man? Not well. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and it just keeps cutting back to him, like, in a bathroom. Just going through the stalls, toilet, sink, drowning the guy in the sink. <laughs> and then um, like, just it's so nuts. And then all of a sudden he kills the other guy that's uh, that he's got in that office. And then it cuts back. And the dude he thought he drowned wasn't dead yet. Picks up his gun. And then all of a sudden Bond turns around and it's the gun barrel. All of a sudden shoots. Blood comes down the screen, goes right into that Chris Cornell song. <laughs> I was watching that in the theater like, that is so amazing! Because I was kind of pissed that they didn't have the gun barrel. I just like the gun barrel. So, you know, but then the Craig ones, you know, they all have a barrel sequence of some sort, but they're not. The only one that actually had it at the beginning, the traditional way, was the most recent one with Spectre. Gotcha. I hope, I hope No Time to Die does it properly, too. All right, so, Ryan, uh, we've, got, uh, we've got a couple more rankings to go through. Uh, one that I'm, I, I would really like to talk about, I have a sneaking suspicion we're going to talk about it for a while, 
Uh, we got to talk about Bond songs because okay. uh, that has been sort of interesting too. This is like I feel like a part of pop culture that I yeah. missed significantly, and well, I didn't realize how important the Bond song was mm-hmm. until Adele's f-ing doing a Bond song. Yeah, and Adele absolutely crushed it. So I'll give you my my three favorite, yeah. but it's it's man, I'm telling you, this is difficult. And this is the one thing, though, you can kind of almost connect with people who don't know much about James Bond because you hear the songs. The songs yeah. are always released as singles. They're always, uh, they're not always, but a lot of them are hits. Do they all have staying power? No, but some of them what, do. What's the importance of it, though? What do, you, what do you think is the, is, is it's just a cool thing? It's just a cool thing. Like they, they always have the opening credits. There's always a cold open, and then there's an opening credit sequence, and that opening credit sequence traditionally has a song in it. Now, I'm saying traditionally because Dr. No just had the James Bond theme, and it had some other weird kind of music, but it wasn't like a theme song the way, you know, all the other Bonds did. So um, ever since then, like, and again, I keep using that term avant-garde, but avant-garde is the only way to describe the weirdness that is the opening title, like the opening credits of any Bond movie. And historically, it's been a bunch of, like, silhouettes of naked ladies and silhouettes of Bond. Um Casino Royale and the and the Daniel Craig ones to their credit, they didn't have a lot of that. Casino Royale, it's just a bunch of cards and like these cool like vector images of of Bond fighting people and like shooting a two bullet holes into a queen of sevens or something. Traditionally, they always have that, but they always have a big song. They have a theme song, and uh, you know the first one that was a really really big hit was Goldfinger by Shirley Bassey. Goldfinger. I don't. That's not even in my top five, though. That song's that song serves the purpose of that movie, but nobody's gonna sit around saying, "Oh my gosh, you know, Goldfinger by Shirley Bassey is such a great song." Yeah, doesn't she just repeat Goldfinger? He's the man with the mightiest touch. I don't care. That song's been parodied a fair few times, a million times, and and it's not a bad song. It's and it serves the movies. It serves the movie perfectly. Goldfinger. My favorite Bond song, I would have to say, is Carly Simon's "Nobody Does It Better" from "The Spy Who Loved Me." That song, uh, I mean, it's it, that movie came out in '76. They usually try to get somebody culturally relevant at the time to record these songs. Yeah, absolutely. And that one, you know, Carly Simon was at her peak. You're, you're so vain was out around that time. I think a, a little bit earlier, but yeah, it was there. Yeah, it's mid '70s. Yeah, and you know, she was like one of the biggest pop stars on the planet at the time. And uh, and that song, I feel like it really does. Uh, it really has lasted. You know, you hear it every so often. Um, it was a song I danced to with my mom in the mother-son dance at our wedding, you know? And uh, I, I just love that song. Um, next would be Adele's Skyfall. Let the sky fall and it crumbles. We will stand face it together. That was like, when that song came out, it was like a moment, man. Like, that was the, the 50th anniversary of James Bond, and nobody but Adele could have done that. However, Adele wasn't the first person approached to do the song. The first person approached, I believe, was Amy Winehouse, who had passed away. 
Yeah, and I, if uh, if my memory serves when I was doing research for this, wasn't she supposed to do something for Quantum of Solace as well? Mm, I don't know and, about uh, that. And she had been dealing with legal issues at the time? She, I heard about her doing it a couple of times, and I heard that Mark Ronson, before she passed away, Mark Ronson, who was producing it, her writing partner and all that, he, he pulled her out of it because he's like, she can't work, concentrate on this at all. She has yeah. to concentrate on herself, which is sad. I think uh, had she had she not passed away, had she gotten you know everything else in order, um, I think she would have eventually done one, and it would have been awesome. Probably, yeah. It would have been fantastic. Yeah. If her and Mark Ronson are making a Bond song, like that would have been right, perfect. But Adele, uh, you know, this was actually, oddly enough, this is the first Bond song to win the Academy Award for Best Song, was Adele. That's pretty wild, but it also is like, it's, uh, it's this, for someone who, again, I, I just had zero interest in Bond at this point in time. What year was this? 2012. So I had absolutely no interest, but I can remember playing that song like on repeat mm -hmm. like adding it to actual playlists oh, yeah. that i would make uh it's a time and like i have no i like i don't care about adele like i i, like I, adele. I mean she's fine like, I like, I like and i know there are there are like she's a, an extremely gifted and talented musician but she's not my cup of tea but skyfall's just a banger man skyfall rules yeah. it's traditionally good that song could have been a bond song in 1963 1962 1972 82 92 and Anytime. I think that's a doesn't it feel song. like that's what she's like evoking is, yes. is kind of evoking well, Goldfinger? And that's her, any of them. I yeah. think it's a, an amalgamation of everything that came before, and she she knew what to do. I mean, she didn't write, she co wrote it with somebody, but um, they they knew exactly how to how to structure that song and the instrumentation and her voice. And her music is always so orchestral anyway, it's perfect. And then um, <laughs> one of my very favorites uh, is Duran Duran, View to a Kill. A sacred wine, a mystery keeping inside. Who weakens why until we dance into the fire? That fatal kiss is all we need. Dance into the fire. To now, Duran Duran were, uh, again, this is another band that was uh, very big at the time. This is 84, 85. Uh, they'd had Rio and Hungry Like the Wolf and all that stuff. And uh, View to a Kill is such a, it's not a great movie. It's Christopher Walken and Grace Jones, and they're the villains in it. And it's the, just. The name is Bond. Is, is James Bond. Oh, James Bond. Hey, let me introduce you to Mayday. This is, we're going to go riding on a horse. She'll take care of you. I don't know. That's not a line from the movie. He, he played Max Zorin, a uh, Silicon Valley tycoon and a psychopath. They're always just psychopaths. But uh, but no, that song is just like it's a dance song and it's ridiculous. And the opening credit credit sequence is a lot of black light and women like with just it's almost like paint on their faces and blowouts. You know the big '80s hair. It's dated and that song is dated. But you know what? I love playing it when I host trivia. It's funny because <laughs> it's like people are like you could play like all these. Well, first of all, you know as far as the length of the song, it's like three and a half minutes, so it's fine. But all these other songs that Duran Duran did, I mean. There's a reason why this one's in its in their greatest hits, but um, I have a couple runners up, um, and I'm I'm kind of alone when I when I mention this, but the world's not enough theme song by Garbage is is a really good one. I cannot believe Garbage was asked to do a Bond song. The world is People are like, who the hell are they? And it's like, dude, they were humongous from 1990, like five to like 2000. 
Their mu- their music was in movies. It was all over the place. They had a behind the music episode on them. They were a big deal. Do you think so, it's interesting how many American acts wind up doing these songs? Yeah, I uh, mean, because Chris Cornell was also American, yeah, right? Jack White and Alicia Keys did Quantum of Solace, right. which is not and, a good one. And here, I just looked this up. Garbage. They're from Wisconsin, uh, except for Shirley Manson. She's from Scotland. Okay, but the rest, and Butch Vig, who produced Nirvana, and never right. mind. Yeah, I mean, they're all yeah, they're all American people. And um, but the song utilizes the score for the movie very well in mm-hmm. it and it's just a, it's got a great melody and a great chorus and then another one i truly love is uh, nancy sinatra's you only live twice you Twice is a is a very problematic movie with some seriously bad Asian stereotypes, but don't let that distract you from from the fact that it's also very um, pop culturally relevant well, because of uh, Blofeld's look and how do, how uh, Doctor Evil is like based on it with the right, cat and yeah. the volcano layer and yeah. it's like it's it's one of those quintessential Bond movies, but it's also like it is seriously 1966. Well, it, it, it also it's not, is it's it's literally what has become like the the stereotype, the satire. But I have one more one more thing about this Bond music. It's hard to rank Bond songs without talking about "Live and Let Die" by Paul McCartney. When you were young and your heart was an open book, you used to say. Live and Let Die is a movie that I'm pretty sure most people who listen to the song Live and Let Die have never seen the movie Live and Let Die. It is Roger Moore's first one. It came out in 1973. This is a a point where I don't even think, like I've seen Paul McCartney live. I don't think of the movie Live and Let Die when I hear Live and Let Die, though I love the movie Live and Let Die. It's great. It's stupid, but it's great. It's really dumb, but it's great. But anyway, uh, Live and Let Die, the song, has transcended beyond Bond song. George yeah, Martin produced absolutely. it. Paul, he and Paul, Paul McCartney wrote it. It's a Paul McCartney and Wings song, and he plays it at every single live show. And flames shoot out of the floor, and boy, are they loud and hot, and it's nuts. But I can't even consider it in a list of Bond songs. I just can't. It's hard for me to do that because it's just such a. It's just its own thing. Right. So. Villains are a big deal in Bond, as you were kind of alluding to with um, was it Stavro Blofeld? Or Ernst Stavro Blofeld, unbelievable name. Uh, it's a a, stupid, truly unbelievable name. I love it, but it's dumb. Uh, it's all dumb. So <laughs> I will shit on Bond as yeah. much as I'm I just want you to know that. I mean, yeah, I understand the problematic issues that come that come with having a franchise that's been around for this a fr- long. A franchise also that's based on, in many ways, like the 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 sexism and the the. Oh, well, here I'll say this. that that Judy was Dench. that was a feature. That was a feature of like that was yeah. that was the point. Yeah. Well, Judy Dench as M in Goldeneye literally says to James Bond because she's the new M and she's a lady. You know, I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur and a relic of the Cold War, and I love that because yeah. it's absolutely true. Right. So I just want you to know. Yeah. No, no, no. So I, I have I, to stress these things. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's important to understand too is like again, context is really important. Those yes. movies were coming out based off of books, and their movies are coming out in the '60s and the '70s. And like, if you're expecting the gender, like, I, I think you can totally and reasonably look at 
even though the conversation, the dialogue was not as prevalent as it is today. It wasn't even a conversation. But in the but, 60s. but but like if you could maybe look at like maybe the Brosnan movies a yes. little bit and be like, ah, sure. Well, there, that's exactly like, there's going to be some questionable stuff in there. But like, let's be real. If you're looking at the like the the, the gender politics, like we're just in the beginning uh, mm-hmm. in the '60s and the '70s of like completely changing the way the world thought about the construct of. Uh, gender outside of the traditional construct. So I can I can live with if I go back now and watch Doctor No or oh, yeah. any of these any of these movies from from the sixties, seventies, and eighties. Yeah, I I will be able to like look through a lens and and recognize that I can't I can't view that the same way. I think the I think the probably the Brosnan movies are the first part where you can go. All right, there's there's fair game. Well, there. the cool thing too is um before we get into villains, like we were talking about, like you know. I don't want to rank Bond girls because it's traditionally speaking, it, it's not, it's like people would rank them about like, sometimes people would be like, well, you know, the hottest Bond girl or this or that. And it's like, that's not the point. And that's, that, I mean, it was at a, at a time, but even back in the day, you know, Pussy Galore, who's uh, Honor Blackman and Goldfinger, she had a fleet of femme fatales that would like, they would mess people up, man. Like that, she was still a badass. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that there's anything like, Yes, she was she was a very a very pretty lady, but you know she had agency. Right. But did Money Penny ever have agency? No, Money Penny did have didn't have a single shred until maybe later on, like maybe Brosnan. You know she does rebuff she does, you know rebuff him uh, uh, in the beginning of Goldeneye. You know she's I'm going to the theater with a gentleman. He's just like oh, I'm devastated. <laughs> she's like, how can I ever make it up to you? Well, make good on your innuendos. And it's like, well, okay, she's dishing it back to him. I like that. But then Skyfall comes around, and it's like, oh, we've got Naomi Harris, who's a, she is a, she's in the field, firing guns, killing people. Right. She's great. But then she ends up getting reduced to a desk job, because I guess the life expectancy for that is a little bit better. Sure. But she does have more, they they have more agency now. And all the women, and, and all the Craig ones, man, like, they're all, I think for the most part, they're all pretty well written. So. So with that said... The villains of Bond. Oh, villains! Yes, uh, villains. Auric Goldfinger is usually the the uh, the prototypical. He's the he's the guy that everybody thinks of as a Bond villain. Is that scene when he's you know he's got Bond strapped to that gold table and he has that laser. Choose your next witticism carefully, Mister Bond. It may be your last. The purpose of our two previous encounters is now very clear to me. I do not intend to be distracted by another. Good night, Mister Bond. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. You can make fun of him how simple he is in his greed. You know what I mean? He just loves gold, and he's stealing the gold reserve from Fort Knox. I love gold! And that's what I end up thinking of as gold member. I love gold! Oh, he's, he's not going to eat the skin, is he? Uh-oh. <laughs> We have to talk about Austin Powers briefly here in a, here in a bit, but the oh god, Austin Powers absolutely destroys the Bond franchise in the absolute best it's way. Really, it's 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 not even Bond. It's like Derek Flint, and right. it's it's uh, it's Mission Impossible and all that stuff. Anything that the Saint, all that stuff. He he just rips right into it. But no, so Goldfinger is like he's probably Gert Frobe played him. He's a German actor or something. Um, but he, he he he's such a thick accent that they ended up using a guy named Michael Collins to dub his voiceover. So it's not his actual voice using it. 
Um, my other favorite, another favorite one of mine is uh, Raul Silva, who is the villain in Skyfall. Right. Javier Bardem plays him. He's uh, he's a former MI6 agent. He got busted. You know, he was he was doing things a little. He wasn't he wasn't doing his job as close to the vest as he should have been. Um, and he got busted by the Chinese, and MI6 did not help him. He regrets his own professional. They kept me for five months in a room with no air. They tortured me. And I protected your secrets. I protected you. But they made me suffer. And suffer. And suffer. And then I realized it was you who betrayed me. So he took his cyanide, completely messed his face up. You need to watch this movie, dude. I know you haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I'll get to it. Though, and I, they know, based his. They, I might watch it tonight. Actually, you should. You should. It's on Hulu. He's got the, one of the best entrances of any villain. It's this long take of him walking toward Bond, who's tied to a chair, like down a long hallway. Basically, he just has this giant vendetta against M for leaving him out in the cold. You know, so it, it's nuts. I love that guy. Yeah. Uh, and I love I love Javier Bardem's portrayal of him. They based him off of the Joker. Right. Um, that was a big thing that Sam Mendes, you know. They 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 built Skyfall, the whole movie is built by Oscar it's made by Oscar winners and nominees to to basically, you know, be as big and, and grandiose as a, of a movie as it can be. So yeah. But then uh, and then I have one more. Yeah. I mean I have a ton of runners up that I'll blaze through, but I love Jaws, played yeah. by Richard Keel, who most people know as uh Mr. Larson in yeah. Happy Gilmore with the right. nail in his head. Right. That but... guy played Jaws. Right. Jaws is a henchman uh in the movies The Spy You Love Me and Moonraker. Moonraker is corny and terrible, but um he's still formidable and he has these metallic teeth and he'll He's just a big lumbering dude, and he's really hard to kill in the in the Goldeneye game. But um, but yeah, he's great. But the other runners up I had, um, and I, this almost made the cut. Elliot Carver, who who's played by uh, Jonathan Price in Tomorrow Never Dies, he has this stupid line: "There's no news, like bad news." He's a news mogul, and he's trying to start world war. He's trying to start a war between China and the U.S. <laughs> and it's like the, the plot is so. Con- and, he, and he and he has the big. Um, he has his uh, paper uh, and his news thing called Tomorrow, and it's just ridiculous. But then you know, Le Chiffre is really good. That torture scene in Casino Royale is one of the all-time that was worst. Brutal. And he even talked about the simplest things: that rope with the thing on the the knot at the end, and then the cutout chair. And oh my gosh. Trevelyan, Doctor No, Trevelyan is 006 and wait, it don't don't you always say that's why Bond can't have children because of that scene? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, he was in the hospital for a while and he had to they they had he had to recoup, you know. But I'm pretty sure he is. That is why he's sterile because good lord, um, made a lot of sense. <laughs> Max Zorin, who's Christopher Walken, um, Doctor No, the original uh, Odd Job, who um, he's I think Odd Job's a bigger deal playing Goldeneye because he's short and he throw the hat and all that. But then I also think about Austin Powers ripping it, ripping on him too. He's a uh, random task, not odd job. Random task in, in Austin Powers, and then he throws a shoe and hits Austin Powers. Who throws a shoe? Honestly, I'm gonna have a lump there, you idiots. <laughs> uh, and then, um, and then of course Ernst Stavro Blofeld. Um, he's not the best, or even in the running for it. I just wanted to make mention of him because he, Christoph Waltz played him in. Uh, Inspector, and he's supposed to be like the architect of all these bad things that happened to Bond. Because I am the architect of all of you uh, from the trailer, all right? You paid. Right. Yes. yes. Wait. So, uh. so here's the thing, though, too. And I, I will, I will say that was Spectre, right? That was Spectre. I, I, you know, because you said they kind of marvelized the Daniel yes. Craig Bonds, and the thing, that, all the things leading up to that guy. Yeah. The thing that kind of stood out to me too is like, do you think like it almost feels like? 
and I remember when I watched the trailer, that was like the thought that I had in my head. It was like, did they like talk to like a focus group or do like a whole shit ton of marketing? And they were like, you know what you guys need? It's, you need it's like the rise a big, of Skywalker. Yeah, you need Bond. like a big bad villain who everybody knows. Yeah. And also the actor needs to be like one of like the most intimidating. And like, of course, you know, how famous... Uh, Christoph Christoph Waltz, Christoph Waltz yeah. is now because well, he's, of and he's I thought his that was Tarantino isms when I found out he was playing um, a villain named Oberhauser they wouldn't say who it was I I knew yeah, it's the Star Trek Into Darkness uh, uh, yeah the 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 con Benedict Cumberbatch yeah wait what did, what did they call him in Star Trek Into Darkness I don't uh, even something remember. like some generic, James Harrison or something some like dumb stuff. linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers yeah whatever so it's but no they did that he's the leader of Spectre which in turn was like the the over top of quantum and it's you know all of the stuff he's ever done has just been to get back at james bond who's because they were like half brothers or adopted brothers at one point how bond never remembered is beyond me it's a weird plot hole but he's going to be in the new one but apparently that doesn't really matter so i'm so i've read the the reviews for the new one so far are pretty great so anyway and then um yeah but He's played by John. Different I was actors. right, by the way. John Harrison. John I looked Harrison. It up. John Harrison. So what? What was? What was? Oberhauser. Oberhauser, and he was Ernst Stavro Blofeld. Okay. And the whole torture scene's weird. I don't know, but no. So, but he's but Blofeld is in a bunch of movies, but he's played by a different actor in each of them. So the the running thing is that oh, he has reconstructive surgery each time. I don't know. He's got his cats. He has his little puppy cat, <laughs> Mr. Beaglesworth. I don't know, but um, no. So it, it just. Kind of like the claw in Inspector Gadget. Doesn't he have a cat? Exactly. That's what they base that on. It just just kind of irritated me. I was a little disappointed with Spectre. I'm sorry. And blow. I didn't mean to bring it up. I I was just I was just curious. I I don't I don't want to I don't want to bring up the Rise of Skywalker. I'm kidding. Oh, Um, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, James Bond's also known for his one-liners. Yeah. Not as much later on, but. You know, so, so Roger I, Moore and Pierce Brosnan. We're not going to get a lot good. of Daniel Craig one-liners. I, I got one that I really enjoy, okay. but uh, The Spy Who Loved Me is great. Uh, so Bond always gets his girl, right? He always gets the girl at the end and whatever. Bond, what do you think you're doing? Keeping the British end up, sir. Get it? <laughs> uh, Goldeneye, um, when Zenyana top finally she like gets caught by the tree and... did enjoy a good squeeze. Yeah, so, all right, so uh, what, what What are some others? Uh, oh, yeah, Tomorrow Never Dies had a really good what's, one. Yeah, what's the best Pierce Brosnan one? What, what movie has the best Pierce Brosnan one-liner? Uh, two, the, the GoldenEye one, and then uh, Tomorrow Never Dies throws a dude into a, uh, into a printing press. Print anything these days into a printing press. Oh, yeah, and then blood comes out. <laughs> oh, they'll print anything these days, is what he says. And I'm like, that's so ridiculous, isn't it? Stupid, isn't that the f- dumbest thing you've heard? But it's like, I don't know, as, great. A, as like, as like out a, of context, it's yeah, even that's, funny. That's so good. It's funnier that's out of context so than it is watching good. the movie because you're watching the movie and you're like, oh, oh god, it just makes me think that James Bond was just written by like boomer dads, like just 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 like with yeah. their kids on a, car, a long trip. And it's oh, like, they see, oh, I, heard, I gotta write that one down, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Casino Royale, uh, this is great in Casino Royale when uh, Le Chiffre uh, um, poisons Bond and then he makes it back to the table. That's every to to Lashie's surprise. Oh, I'm sorry. That lost hand. 
Nearly killed me. Yeah, some rapid fire. Do uh, you want to talk about some of your, your favorite? Mulga Food, worst favorite? Three worst favorites. Or not worst favorite. Three worst Bond movies. Right. They're bad anyway. But you can watch them, uh, ironically, I suppose. Die Another Day, we've already talked about. Octopussy is not great. Roger Moore wears clown makeup at some point. It's terrible. And then uh, Moonraker is just ridiculously stupid. I think if, uh, if you had a few drinks in you, Moonraker would be pretty good. My favorite Bond movies, personally, um, and this is just me, you know, Skyfall, Live and Let Die, You Only Live Twice, GoldenEye, and Casino Royale. So two Craig ones on there and uh, kind of peppered most other people. And then, you know, George Lazenby did the one in 1969. He did Honor Majesty. Yeah, Service. we have not given much love to George Lazenby. Nobody does. Uh, watch Becoming Bond. It's a documentary about him. He basically ruined it for himself, you know, but whatever. Uh, and then Timothy Dalton's Bond movies are more akin to Craig. They're more... Um, they're just they're they're more visceral. They're more violent. They're more serious in tone. Roger Moore had gotten very comedic, a little overly comedic by the end there, and also he was old as hell. Yeah. But uh, Dalton really did it. You know, I think he, I think he did I think he did well just for the two that he had. So uh, for those of you listening, uh, No Time to Die will be out by uh-huh. the time this episode. You may have even seen out. it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. It's yet. totally possible. We'll see what happens. But this is the end of the line for Daniel Craig, uh-huh. the longest tenured Bond, uh-huh. as you alluded to, not. 15 years. Yeah, not in the most Bond films, nope. but the longest tenured Bond. Yeah. Uh, so big shoes to fill, finally. Uh, and, you know, the question is, we, we already talked a little bit about who might fill the role, but uh, one of the things we haven't really talked about is the kind of stylistically, do you think, do you see them going more in that, again, kind of following that born path, or do you think there's oh, James Bond always is going to have to sort of light its own way? It's always, I don't know what they're going to do, because they've already marvelized it. They've already done the the Jason Bourne thing. Maybe I think it's time they go back and do a period piece. Personally, I don't think they will. If it was me, up to me, you know, they already, they already. Ha- there's obviously the books. There's video games. There's comics. There's all kinds of other stuff. By but, a period piece, do you mean like a like set a Bond in the sixties? Oh hell yeah! Oh, set it in the fifties when the books are coming out, like the the late fifties, yeah. or even in World War Two, which is what he's technically based on. Is is a is a commander. He's a James Bond is a commander in the British Navy. That is what his actual rank is. So you could do that, but I think if you just go back and do a fun sixties romp, sort of like a Man from Uncle kind of deal, um, I think that would be so cool because you've already got the, the 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 we've already got like Mission Impossible. That's that's taking care of all that other stuff, right? You know, and Mission Impossible movies are good movies. I think that James Bond, it's living too much on its own name now. Yeah, I think the, I think he really they really need to get back to basics and do something that isn't so technologically extravagant. Go back and do a period piece. Hell, do it in black and white. Tarantino wanted to do a black and white reboot of Casino Royale with Pierce Brosnan in like 04. Yeah, so and I think the concept itself is interesting, but I also again I I wonder if that's too similar to like kind of re- like it, it makes me feel like you know I, I they rebooted bond on like a on like a micro level with mm-hmm. with daniel craig in 06 mm-hmm. but that sounds more like a macro level reboot. i think they should that do sounds it like-, like going back to the very very beginning yeah. and i i wonder if one, I wonder if that's really doable, and two, that probably eliminates the ability to go and get your your Idris Elba, or well, if they want to do. And I know, listen, I know the guy's forty nine, but if you if you want to get um, know, a person of color in there, to, oh, Daniel to, to Kaluuya be, would be my pick. Yeah, you and I have talked about I him. I love that guy. I think, and he, he's British. He, he's very British. He's so British. Yeah, and he's great. He's got a lot of charisma. Yeah, he's and very he, very good. He's fantastic. But like, I, honestly, and you know, he can do gritty. He's done. Oh hell yeah. He's I, he's a great actor. I think I think Daniel Kaluuya could absolutely do it. But um, and he fits he fits your age range that you're you're very right. desperate to to get a guy a, in a younger in dude, there. early thirties, 
that that'd be perfect. But um, my thing is too is uh, you know, I think they could do a series. You know, they Amazon has the rights to MG to MGM now. Make it an Amazon series. Make it an anthology. Make a whole season with one guy playing Bond, and then do another season, a different, totally different thing. But another guy playing James Bond. Recast everybody. Like the way Ryan Murphy does American Horror Story. How cool would that be? I think that would be a great way to satisfy old fans, new fans, make it exciting, do different periods of time. You know, go back to the 60s, go back to the 40s, do a Bond in the 1800s. Who cares? I think that'd be so great. Do one in the 80s. You know, bring back some of the other guys digitally, put them in. Who knows? Uh, you know, do one of those Marvel what if things and actually talk about the weird, stupid, completely false uh, fan theory that Bond is a code name, mm-hmm. not just 007, which I don't fing subscribe to. <laughs> I don't. Anyway, uh, I, I, let me just say my pick, and you know, I have no skin in this game I'll whatsoever. You're cool. Uh, and you're going to disagree because oh, he's, yeah, he's too old. Yes. What are you going to say, Idris Elba? No, no, no. Oh. No. I'm, I'm already, I'm already, in truth, I think if you were actually going to make the case for Daniel Kill. Kil- how do you say his name? Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Not Kalua. Yeah, it's pretty clear it should be like he he would be the front runner in my opinion. Like he like, the, like because oh, the, because the because, guy, because of his age, I think uh, he would be a a superb choice. Who, it, what, and and Henry Cavill, like those would be the two. Like they they would to me be the front runner. There's one more. Okay. Um, and my wife uh, has watched Bridgerton and read all the books. Okay. So is it Ray J. John Page or whatever the the main guy from Bridgerton? I've never seen Bridgerton. That dude. Hold on, wait. Just look up the guy from Bridgerton. What about the kid? Uh, that he's he's apparently in talk, like not in talks, but he's apparently like a big a big favorite. Oh, Reggae, R- 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 Ray J. Jean Page. Yeah, that's him. I think that's him. I don't know what else he. he no, he's he's young though, he's but he's really but he's young. British, and he's I think. Yeah, I think he's British. Well, he's British uh, enough. So what did he do? Oh man, he's yeah, he's been in he's been in some pretty. He was in the history. Oh, the th- the theatrical. He was in the stage version of the th- History Boys. That's interesting. Anyway, okay, so uh, so yeah, but um, how do you want to end this? Well, so wait, I'm going to tell you. I oh, think I think just because he should play every role, every British role available, every male British role should be played by David Tennant. From now on, David Tennant is so wiry looking. Exactly, he's just great in everything. Christopher Eccleston as well. David Tennant is just again. I go back to. um, I just think of all the Doctor Who's Broadchurch. See, I've never even seen Doctor Who. I haven't either, but I know who played Doctor Who. I know, I know. He was he was Doctor Who or Uh for a period of time. He was the the Purple Man or whatever, and Jessica Jones. He was. He was. Let go, Jessica. Like he just says, he spits every line with such. He magnificent. Be he'd be a great villain. Venom. I don't want. No, him. I do think he'd be a good Bond villain. That's a fair. Like, okay, but it, you, you ruined my little joke. There. I'm sorry. It's okay. You want to start over? No. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> All right. We got one more segment to go, and then we're done. And uh, if you're listening to us on some sort of commute, you're probably at work by now. Eh, it's all good. Yeah. We appreciate you. This is the movie spiel. Uh, Ryan. Uh, you're you're not talking to a Bond novice, but I'm pretty darn close to being whatever like a step above. For a movie guy, you are. Yeah, that blows my mind. I'm like a Bond Padawan. You are. I'm a, I'm a Bondawan. I was gonna. Oh, that was bad. A Bondawan. A Bondawan. That's that, that's very bad. Sounds like a weird language. Yeah. All right. So, so okay. All right. So in, in all seriousness, the quintessential Bond movie that a a listener who has never gotten into Bond but probably realizes, mm, culturally, I probably need to see one of these 25 films. Right. Where do you begin? So, quintessential Bond movie, like, it has, it has just, it has everything. I was just going to give you one from each guy who played it. 
because they, they they're famous. You know, obviously yeah. the Bond franchise is famous for for basically. And of course, uh, George Lazenby was only in one. But which that was... movie was good. On Her Majesty's right. Secret Service is a good movie. Yeah. He's not a good Bond, but he, it's a good movie. What was wrong with George Lazenby? He just okay. He's Australian, but he wasn't an actor. He was, he was also a... so he was he was a uh, uh... no. He, his accent was actually fine. But it's what was just... the term you used earlier? He was under the crown. He well, Australia is under the crown. Right. Yeah. He, so he that's he was why he's fine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, somebody had said something about like Burt Reynolds becoming Bond. Like he actually he did so, a tape. So by to this play logic, Mel 80s. Gibson could have played Bond. Ugh, anyway, I mean he could have. But, I don't know. Anyway, uh, so as far as uh, as far as Sean Connery, I mean honestly, you don't have to start any. You can start anywhere in the Bond canon. It doesn't matter. But Sean Connery, any of the first three ones: Doctor No, From Rush with Love, Goldfinger. Goldfinger's the most famous of them. Has all the gizmos, all the all the tropes. Um, has that Aston Martin DB5, which I have the Lego set of, and it is awesome. Um, it even has the ejector seat. It's great. So, uh, yeah, so I'd go with any of those. Lazenby's Honor, Lazenby, Lazenby, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, great movie. Roger Moore, I would say either Spy You Love Me or For Your Eyes Only. Those are the two most seriously, and, most serious and most well-regarded of his movies. Um, though I do like Live and Let Die a lot, but Q isn't in that, and that, that bothers me. Q is his quartermaster, the weapons guy. Uh, Timothy Dalton, I'd so I'd go with License to Kill over over um, The Living Daylights, but either one of those. But License to Kill is very, very gritty. Um, Brosnan, Goldeneye, no question. That movie is uh, the only fa- only fault I ever find with that movie is it's really weird score. It has a very weird, very synthy, uh, synth-heavy score. And the song by Tina Turner that Bono and the Edge wrote, the Goldeneye song, it sound there's nothing in the movie that sounds like that. Mm-hmm. So the the score for for uh, Goldeneye is very strange, but I do love that movie. And Tomorrow Never Dies is good too. And then Craig Scar- Skyfall. You know, I, you know, you, you can start with Craig wherever you like, I guess. But just understand that the farther along you go, like if you don't know what's going on with with No Time to Die, I don't know what happens in No Time to Die really. I mean, I kind of do, but like I don't know how it addresses everything else that came before it. So I go with Skyfall because damn it, it's a fun fun movie. Okay, uh, so I, just very quickly, I, I wanted to hear uh, away from Bond. Uh, mm-hmm. What have, what have you been watching lately? Any TV? Any, any any any? Have you binged anything? Are you a binge boy? My son and I have been doing a, uh, a rewatch of all the Spider Man movies, so in, leading up to No Way Home, and uh, we watched all the Tobey Maguire ones. So the first one kind of holds up, not eh, not the best. Second one still holds up, great. Third one is a total mess. There are some fun little bits in it, but man, is it not a good movie at all. And James Franco's terrible in those movies. They're all actually not great. Like, I, the acting in those movies is... I don't even... I don't like Tim McGuire that much. And Kirsten Dunst is just kind of phoning it in by the third one. And it's she actually puts in an effort in the first two, and it just doesn't seem like... Even though she's singing in the third one, it's just... Yeah. It's also... There's there's the Sam Raimi effect where he... he, he he didn't want to do Venom. And oh my gosh, this was this was my son's first movie disappointment because we watched Venom. And Venom is one of those movies that got panned by the critics. It has like a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'll tell you this much. The bits where Tom Hardy's talking to himself as Venom is that it's great. And some of the some of the action scenes are pretty good. The good thing about that movie and its sequel that we did see are um they're very fast. They're like 90 minutes. The, the Let There Be Carnage is literally 90 minutes. They cram a lot into it. And it's great. It's a lot better than the first one, and it really leans heavily because Andy Serkis directed it, so it's a little bit different. It leans really heavily into the the, the character dynamic of Eddie Brock and uh, and Venom. It's really fun. And then I always loved Carnage as a villain when I was a kid. Like I watched the Spider Man cartoon and all that. It was great. But um, so no, we're on that. But and then we watched the Amazing Spider Man with uh, 
Andrew Garfield, which the first one isn't as bad as I remember. No, the first one's fine. It's fine. It's, it's totally it's unnecessary. Fine. I get, it's, yeah, I, my favorite, again, I don't ever remember who actually said it, but the best, cri- the best critique of that film, the best critical review was... This movie has no business being as good as it That's is. That's the truth. And I'm we have The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and I am just de- delaying watching it cuz it's 2 hours and 20 minutes and it's just the most awkwardly paced movie. Yeah. I saw it in the theaters and I was just annoyed. Like they that movie could have been trimmed down by a half hour. And I still wonder uh, cuz it's literally they were like what if we did what if we made all the same exact mistakes in Spider-Man 3 but with like less stakes cuz we're less interested right. in the character. And they were trying to do Anyway, so no no okay, so back to what I was trying to say something about um Venom. So we watched Venom and then we watched the the Spider-Man trilogy and my son Harrison was watching uh like when Topher Toby, Topher Gray shows up, and he's like, Edward Brock Jr., sir. And he's like, Harrison Lewis, he's like, that's Eddie Brock? And I'm like, it's a different universe. It's not Tom Hardy. He's like, that doesn't look like Eddie Brock. And I'm like, no, it's a different movie. It's a different universe. He's like, okay, when's he going to be Venom? And I'm like, soon, man, just watch. <laughs> and it's like 85% into the movie before he becomes Venom. Right. He's just mad that Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, he's like, why does he have the black suit? This is, I'm like, dude, it's, it's part of the arc, of the, it's the dumb emo arc that he goes through. And he, then Eddie Brock finally gets the Venom suit, and he's like, that's Venom. He's not even big. And I'm like, yeah, compared to Venom and Venom with Tom Hardy, no. And he's like, I don't like this one. And I'm like, I'm sorry, man. This is just, it was a disappointment for a lot of people. Yeah, Harrison, uh, apologies. You were not, not alive for that but disappointment. The, the amazing, he was literally, that was, bef- what was years before Harrison was born. Oh, that was 07, dude. Yeah. Oh, I remember watching that movie in the theater and uh, sitting front row all the way to the right couldn't hardly see it was just a stupid angle but i do remember one funny bit and this is kind of mean but it's pretty funny when uh when uh mary jane and and harry kiss in the movie i didn't tell my son this because i'm not but anyway some the whole theater was quiet and then some dude in the back just went i think he was drunk he just went whore and then the entire crowd, the entire theater. This is a midnight premiere, by the way. So this is at like 1.30 in the morning. I'm tired of shit. We're all cracking. Like, the entire theater. Everybody fucking laughed for a solid minute because this movie was so stupid. Yeah. And one dumbass yeah. joke was just like, oh, my God. Isn't it dumb? This is dumb. So anyway. Really quickly, I, uh, I've been watching uh, Good Omens, which is just a short little uh, one, one-off miniseries. I'm four episodes out of six in. Uh, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Good Omens is pretty good, and that's Who's in it? that's David Tennant and uh, and oh, right. Michael Sheen are the are the leads, and then yes. Francis McDormand is the voice of God, and and uh, uh, John Hamm is in it, and it's it's quite good. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's 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 really really good, and it's short, six episodes, paced very very breezily paced, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, again, it's just a lot of fun watching because um, David Tennant and Michael Sheen are like besties in real life. That's so great. It, so it's a lot of fun watching them kind of play off each other. They have a lot of chemistry on the screen. That's awesome. What's that on? That's Amazon. Amazon? Okay, yeah. cool. So, yeah, if you have Prime, you're, you're good. I'll check it out. Uh, the other one, uh, I've been, like, occasionally, if I'm looking for something to, like, turn my brain off to, I watch House. So I've been <laughs> I've been rewatching like, the first season of House, and, yeah. and I'm, like, 12 episodes in. And uh, it's pretty much the same show every episode. It's, it's very, very Is that what the very, running gag? It's very... <laughs> Very formulaic. He walks in and is like, this doctor, he's talking yeah. about it's lupus. I, I, I don't know. I, maybe. I mean, I, 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 there was a tweet a while back. I'll have to find the tweet and, and share it on our social media account. Yeah. But uh, it's great. Where this, 
Um, I think she's a professional comedian, but she tweeted out, "I'm rewatching House, and like this show is bananas. They just let him walk. Ar- they just let him walk around, making you know, doing medical crimes all day, every day, yeah. including Christmas." And yeah, I was like, right. "That is absolutely that is that's like literally how they must have pitched House to the network yep. was like, hey, this guy's just going to commit medical crimes and be right every time." Uh, yeah, I've been I've been watching that. Like, if I'm like trying to turn my brain off, and then the other one, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm not really turning my brain off for this one, and I finally finished it. And a huge waste of my time, but I watched most of it while I was like exercising. So I was like on my on my bike. Sure. I, I actually think I, I want to start blogging on our website, themoviespiel.com. Please do. So that I could write about this. Yes. It's, it's an experience. Uh, I rewatched in its entirety and the movie that came out after. I rewatched Entourage. Oh my God. And it Why? is so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Problematic. So, so problematic. Like, but it is funny in a weird It's endearing. No. <sighs> okay. What so, is it the Honest Trailer said about it? And it's like, and no. What was it? Uh, okay. In Hollywood, in Los Angeles, and no black people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh no, God. like almost, almost no anyone who's uh, like. Unless they're it, famous. It's like the whitest show anyone has ever written. And, and uh, Ari. Uh, should have been like, dude. That in the oh, in the time yeah. of me too, he would literally have been. But like the drawn nu- yeah, the number of instances oh where God. like, but like, so what's crazy is too. Like there are Jesus. things where like even in like 2009, like he he'll like because like I'm th- I I had to like place myself each time I was watching an episode. I was like, all right, what year is it supposed when to be? When did it end? 2011. 2011 was the final season. Okay. Um, and uh, the the show started in like 0405. But so the thing that, like, I think it was 04, actually. Uh, but the thing that, like, is crazy is I think about, like, there are, like, later seasons where, like, he does stuff that, like, just, like, a basic HR department would be, like, this you can't do that. Like, like really small things. Like, not, like, like and. So was it a paintball gun that he brought in to, dude, to, a, to yeah, a rival like that agency? absolutely. So when he buys out his old agency. Yeah. Played by Malcolm McDowell as Terrence McEwick. Yes. He's great. He's, like, the best part of, of Entourage. Uh-huh. And he's, like seven episodes that he's in, uh-huh. uh, he takes a paintball gun and goes in and literally every person he fires, he shoots with a paintball gun. And like, I thought the first time I saw that, I was like, that's a problem, but it's fucking funny. And then like afterwards, I was like, mm, actually, this is bad. I do. And and the movie is 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 unforgivable. Like, And it's not just the movie. There are multiple episodes where I literally was like, that was unforgivable. Uh, like that was... So beyond, the isn't there two? I thought there no, two they. I think they wanted to make a second okay. one, and everybody was like, "What the fuck are we I doing here?" Know. Like, like, come on, it's really bad, yeah, dude. Um, it's not any. I can't imagine. No, it's, dude, it's it's so much worse than you remember. Like, I promise you. So here's the thing, and the, here's the reason I bring this up. Like, I fucking loved that show when I was, like, it in college. Me, yeah. Like, it's one of the few shows that literally from the first at first episode that aired the night of that pilot airing, mm-hmm. I I watched it from start. To actual finish, that never happens, uh-huh. never occurs. That was me all the time now. Ever. That's the only like, way and, I watch and, things. And, 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 like I literally caught it from the moment it came out, mm-hmm. and I caught every. Even Game of Thrones, I had a mini break where like I missed almost all of season three, and then binged and caught up on it. Yeah. Right. That was not the case for Entourage. So I was like, after years of uncritically thinking about this show, I, I finally decided I'm going to go back. Even as miserable as I know the last two seasons of the show are, I, I want to go back and, and give it a shot and try and view it through, through a lens. And, and I'm not saying they don't have something like there's there's actually elements of the show that are that are are good. Mm-hmm. I think the pacing is is really good for as an example. Like they, they keep things moving really, they really do. quickly yeah. in a certain context, like yeah. like the dialogue between characters. But 
from an overall perspective, yeah. the show is mostly unforgivable. Yeah. Mostly unforgivable. I could go into it much deeper, and I will at some point. I'm gonna. All I'm, you. All I, I'm gonna write a blog post on the moviespiel.com about this because because I literally I, I did this, and what was really funny, my buddy Noah, who hosts another podcast as well, the the um the be real. Yeah. Um, he texted me one night and said, "I'm rewatching Entourage, and like this show is unfor like really unforgivable." <laughs> and and I was like, you know something, you know what's funny is I actually started rewatching it. I watched the first season and a couple episodes of season two. And I gave up because I was like, "This is this sucks. Like, mm. this is just this is like hard to hard to stomach." That I used to like this, and so I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna watch this too." And so we started texting back and forth. So he he just he finished a few episodes ahead of me, but he reminded me that I had actually started mm -hmm. probably in July that I had started the the first season. And and look, it's a very it's 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 an easy to watch show in terms of like it's very fast moving sure. again the pacing, but like wow. Well, that we was, thought the fact that they would the, the the fact that they would make so many homophobic jokes. It was almost twenty years ago, but you don't hear like like you but just, like other shows of that era didn't really do that some either. Did no 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 they did not in the same way. And there's way. movies that did it a lot like that too. Yeah, it's, it's very it's just there's some Apato stuff. Yeah, it's just then. Yeah, and you just don't do it anymore. You can go back and watch it and enjoy parts of it for some of the parts that are. It's still very strange. To I me. know. Oh, I know. It was of the time. You're fine. I don't just even don't, know. Just I don't, don't know. glorify it now. You're good, know. man. We move forward. I'm going to write a blog post. Write a blog post. I'm going to write a blog post. I'm going to edit a bunch of this. Yeah. Man, that was good. That was uh, we, we bonded. We bonded over Bond. I'm going to go. There I is a podcast called James Bonding, but, uh, written by, I'm uh, oh, sorry, it's, it's by a couple of comedy writers. James Bondage? No. James, yeah, that too. <laughs> Fifty uh, Shades of Bond. I am probably. <laughs> Ooh. Yes. Woof. Let's do it. I'm all for it. As long as it's consensual, and they're totally cool with it. Okay. Hey, well, I'm not going to yuck their yum, man. That's fine. That, if that's their kink. I I'm going to go home and watch Quantum of Solace for reasons. I've never uh, seen a James Bond porno parody, so I'm going to find one of those, and I'll 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 write a blog Why post Why don't you report, report back I'll to... I'll report back. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to do it for the movie spiel. Uh, this is the season three premiere. Hell yeah, apparently. <laughs> We've decided that this is... This is the premiere of season three. We've got some exciting stuff coming for you in uh, in season three. Uh, I'm looking forward to some things. We'll figure it out. I, I know of at least two episodes we've got. Two episodes on the docket. On the docket, and then another one. Another when fun we're gonna retrospective yeah. for a movie that's hitting its 20th yeah. anniversary this year, you guys can guess what it is. We're not going to tell you right this when second. When we're going to get around to recording these, I don't have Jesus any idea. We just appreciate you listening to yeah. us because you know how inconsistent we are. Two months. Yeah, Brittany makes fun of me all the time. She's like, "Well, you guys record like twice a year, so." Well, Brittany can just. You know, all right. Uh, God, we just always get off track. We can't shut the fuck up. Uh, I mean, I'm. Uh -huh. I meant we can't. We can't. It doesn't matter. We've already gone past that. That's I'm gonna true. have to put a bunch of bleeps, but we did do pretty good, I think. Okay. Yeah, so, we're trying to curse less. Nah, it's not gonna happen. I mean, it's probably not gonna happen. But I, I you know, I think. It's, oh my God! Can it's we an stop? Honorable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ryan. I'm Alex. Thank you so much for listening to our James Bond episode and all the other stuff we ran about. Have a great, great day. We'll see you next time. Peace.